Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. It says in the beginning of Revelation that those who read these words aloud are blessed. God, we've read these words each and every week um, for 22 weeks now. So God, I pray that you bless us through reading your word, through preaching your word. God, I pray that you use me just as a tool to proclaim your truths to your people. God, you'll open our ears and our hearts, our minds, that we will just take it all in and we'll be transformed more into the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, just help us now to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so my name's David. For those of you who don't know me, one of the pastors here on staff, and I get to wrap up Revelation with you today. We've been preaching through Revelation for 22 weeks. We took a break there, so it's 23 weeks since we started it, but we took a break, and we were at the park, and we were out in the public, and we thought preaching about the blood being as high as a, a horse's brittle might be a little weird out in the park. So we're like, you know what? We're just going to celebrate that Sunday and talk about all that God has done in the past year, and we'll pick back up where we're at. So here we are, 23 weeks later, finishing up Revelation, and we have got a lot that's happened. I think this is, this is a lot of crazy stuff in the book of Revelation. It's interesting stuff as well. And I think it's really easy, uh, easy for us that we can lose focus on eternity as we preach through Revelation and we sit then as you know, congregants, because as Corey and I switch back and forth, so a lot of times I'm sitting in your seat. I'm listening, taking it in just like you. And it's easy. Like We'll lose focus on eternity because what do we got? We got dragons, we have beasts, and we have giant locusts, and we have bowls being poured out and trumpets being blown. We have a prostitute over there you don't know, to look at, don't marvel at her, what are you doing? And you've got um, all the symbolism, and then you have numbers that you're like, is that a literal number? Is that like just meaning something? And it's just, just a lot going on. And the reality is, in it, like, that creates angst in some people. It creates just a nervousness. It makes some of us like a little bit on edge. There's people, people who like straight up just, like, I'm, I don't know if I'm coming to church while you guys preach through that. Like, I don't, I don't know if I can handle that. That's a lot going on, and it makes me really, really nervous when we lose focus on eternity. And we're like, man, I, I don't know. Like, what, why, why couldn't God just explain this in a way that was simpler for me to understand, to say, this is how it's going to be. Here's a roadmap for the end of times. Like, this will happen at this time, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then I'm going to bring you guys together, and we'll be in eternity, and those who rejected me, they will be in hell. Like, why couldn't it just be that simple? I like simple instructions. I can work with that. But I heard D.A. Carson, he's a pastor, he explained it like this. So let's just play imagination for a minute, all right? So we have a remote tribe. They are so remote, they don't have metal yet. They, they're not like equipped with anything. They got fire and they're still using wood and stone tools to do what they do. And we show up because I got this grand idea as, a, as your pastor, like, let's go take the gospel to this unreached people group that's as remote and as just basic as you can get. 
And then, you know, we're out there, and of course you want to see if you got cell service. So you pull out your iPhone, and for those of you who are still kind of primitive like them, your Android, whatever, and you want to see if you have cell service. Sorry, not really. But you, you check, and you don't have cell service. But they're, they're just enamored, like, what is this thing in your hand that has pictures and all this on it? And so you start trying to explain to them this phone, and well, then what makes this phone work? Well, then you got to explain to them electricity. And you're like, well, there's this, this, these machines, and they, they mine for coal, and then they take the coal, and they, and they burn it, and it creates power, and then there's these big, giant plants, and it goes into transformers, and it's, it's like a box, and then they get it in these big, giant cords that are made of metal. You don't, uh, you don't have metal. And it's going to take it to another transformer, and then it's going to go through these big, giant trees that have other big boxes on them that's made of this metal that you don't have. And then it goes into my house, I mean, my hut. That, and then in my, the walls of my hut, there's more of these wires that are running around. And then there's another little box that I can plug things into with more wires that makes people be on another box. And I watch them. And they're this, right, okay. None of that registered with them. And so God's trying to explain to us the end of times. We don't have the means to comprehend it. We can't take it all in. He's trying to explain it to us for 22 chapters, what he's revealed to John. And we're like, what? Is it literally 144,000 or is it, is it really this? Is it? And he's just like, this is about as simple as I can make it for you. Because if, if, you, if you saw the full thing, you just, your, you, your brain might just melt. Like you wouldn't know what to do. And so as I thought about that, I was like, man, that, it just blows me away. Because like this is more than I can comprehend. Like the, the goodness of eternity with God is more than we can comprehend, more than we can take in. And because of that, it's going to be even better than what's described here. Like there's amazing things that await us. And so as I sat there and listened to Corey last week, this in chapter 21, talking about this new heaven and new earth and, and the gates and the, and the stones and, the, and all the gold that's the purest of gold there is, and it's going to be amazing. I thought, wow, this is so cool. And I started studying chapter 22 this week so I could preach it, and it just it stood out to me so much. Like, man, what, what is awaiting those whose name is written in the book of life is going to be so great, just so great. And, and so then as I looked at this, I was like, you know what? This is everything that we just like yearn for now. It's everything we desire. It's everything we're trying to create now. Not just Christians, but the whole world, the whole community, the whole culture, society. Like we want this. They just don't realize what they want. They, they're trying to do it on their own. And so my big idea for you this week is this is we try to achieve gospel results through secular means. Instead, we need to achieve gospel results through gospel means. And so I'm going to unpack that for you. I want to like really just break that down through the first half of chapter 22. And then we're going to look at, like, well, what do we do then until he returns? Well, three points that we'll have is we're going to cling to the word, cling to the way, and cling to Jesus. So let's unpack 
the big idea here. In the chapter 22, it starts off, says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. It's really important that we don't miss that he says, then the angel showed me. This is why we preach through books of the Bible, and we don't just jump around and think, what sounds good for the week? We preach through books of the Bible, because when we come to something and we see, then the angel showed me, we think, okay, well, something came before it, which all of you who've been here, you know. Chapter 21 came before it. If, you just, if I just randomly picked this chapter and we preached it, you'd be like, well, what did he show you first? I want to know about that too. So this is why we do what we do. And so we see this, this river of life is flowing. It is coming from the throne of God. It is coming from the throne of the Lamb. It is flowing through the middle of the city. This beautiful city that, like I've already said, that we get this description of the new Jerusalem with all the jewels, the precious metals, the gems, everything. And then we get to this river that is bright as a crystal flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. This crystal, guys, you all think you know about diamonds, right? If you're married, because you've had at some point, you went shopping. You went shopping, you went down to K's, right? I don't know where you went, to the mall, whatever you did. Jared's, there you go. You hit it up at Jared's. And, and that jeweler got you, and he's like, let me, let me tell you about diamonds, man. Let me tell you. And he's taking you through all these grades of diamonds and all the different, I don't even know all the different terms. It was like, it was literally 19 years ago, so I haven't been diamond shopping in a while. She probably would like for me to, maybe. We'll see. But w- you, you think by the end of it, you're like, I could sell these things. I know all about it. And then you come and, you know, and you got this whole plan, how you're going to propose, and you propose to her. And then, like, once all that emotion, you start telling her. Like, you know, that's a, I mean, like, that's a grade it's B diamond. It's got this. It's, they mined it and over there. Yeah. It's the best. It's the best. Huh? You're welcome. You can thank me later. Don't worry. That, here's the deal. Sorry, women. Your diamond on that ring, you can look at it right now. You can get in these lights that blind us. It might bling, but it ain't going to be like this river. This thing is going to be amazing, just mind-blowing, and it's flowing from the throne of God. That is what we get. And as Mark already said, this is the river. This is the river of living water that quenches our thirst. It doesn't leave you thirsty anymore. As I was reading through this, and Mark was traveling from back from Texas this week, I called him, and I was like, dude, we got to talk, because I think about this. This is, this is the same water that's sitting at that well in Samaria that Jesus is sitting there, and this, this woman that goes, you want a drink? And he's, if you only knew who you're asking, you would ask me for a drink. This is that same water. This is it. And it's f- just flowing for all of us just to, to take in and just take a drink from, to enjoy. It's there. This water brings life. But not only do we have living water, we have a living, the tree of life with living fruit there just all the time. It says that every month it is producing fruit. So there's no down season. If you like the leaves out there, they're turning red and yellow and all that stuff, that is cool and I love it. And I think there's going to be just all kinds of beauty in heaven that will make that just pale in comparison. But these trees do not have like a harvest season. They're always ready just to go up and just grab it. So when you're going to find me in eternity, like on a lazy river, just I'm going to be floating down that river, just plucking fruit off as I go. Just taking it in. I'm just going to take in eternity because that's what we get. Now listen, this joke fell so flat in the first service. So it's probably going to fall flat since I have to explain it. But I don't care because I'm a dork and I wrote it and I want to share it with you. 
All right, it says there that, that we have this river, it's flowing, it's living water, and we have 12 kinds of fruit yielding its uh, fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree were there for healing of the nations. Now think about this. I guarantee most of you are not just drinking tap water. You're buying Fiji water or Aquafina or whatever. You ain't going to need that no more. You got this. You got living water. You're all going to Trader Joe's or you're going to uh, um, Fresh Time and Fairview because you don't want to go across the river and you're getting all the organic fruit. And then the only leaves we're going to need for municipal purposes are these leaves, not the other ones. Last time I tried, like, named a dispensary and everyone just stared at me blank and, like, they're like, whatever. And then it still didn't go that great. I don't know. Pastors and pot jokes. Probably not the best thing. That got more of a laugh. But my point is this. We've been trying to create this through filtered water. We're trying to make sure that everything is great and grand in our lives. And Jesus is saying, I've got everything you're going to need in eternity. It's going to be there for you. There's going to be healing of the nations. I mean, that means physically and just with no animosity. There's not going to be any wars left. There's not going to be any need to, to go and to try to fix things because he's got it all fixed. And right now what we do is we try to create this, right? We've got people going in, Christians and non-Christians, going and like feeding the hungry, digging wells so that people can have drinking water. And those things are good. I'm not by any means like downplaying that, but it doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. There's people on both sides of the fence who do that because they, whether they realize it or not, they're trying to create what God can only create and provide in eternity. They're trying to make sure that all the needs of all the people are met. They're trying to make sure that people are fed, that they're happy, that there's peace. And the only peace will come from the healing of the nations that God can bring. We try so many ways to achieve that on a larger scale society, but also in our own lives. I mean, we don't want to eat and drink bad stuff. We don't want to be sick. Like we want what this is offering, and we so often are just trying by every means possible to get it because we desire to have that control that our lives are where we think they should be when Jesus is saying, I've got it. And this water, this life that he offers, it is an eternity. It will be perfected there, but we get to experience it now too. We live in that not yet tension. We're there, like he's done it, he's done everything he needs to do, but we're not there yet, and he provides it for us. But John keeps going. He's like, there's more. There's more. He says, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. The, the, the curse of sin is gone. When we get here, the curse of sin is gone. It's obliviated. It's no more. It doesn't exist. It, it's removed. And because of that, we get to worship him, perfectly worship him. I mean, we put so much time and effort into planning what happens here on a Sunday. I mean, we meet every single Tuesday at 10. Whoever's leading worship, they're there. There's all the staff pastors. Other people pop in, and we're, we're breaking down the text. We're talking about liturgy. We're talking about songs. We're texting, calling throughout the week. Like, it, there's a lot that goes into it. People that you never even see that are back there that are doing the slides. and all, Like, all that goes into this, and yet... The reality is that everything that we do, my preaching, the worship, the slides, all this stuff, it is tainted by sin because we live in a fallen world that is cursed by sin. Yet, here we are, waiting this day. We perfectly get to worship him because the curse of sin will be lifted. And then what happens? Oh, man, this is good. This is good. 
Verse 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. The only reason we get to see his face is because the curse of sin is gone. Otherwise, gone. You wouldn't exist. You would just get blown away, dead. You cannot see his face and live. No one has ever seen his face and lived. There's people who've came close. Like you got angels, they're flying. And there's six wings, it's described throughout the Bible. And two, they're flying. Two, they're covering their face so they can't see God. And two, they're covering their feet because of his holiness. You got Peter and John and James, they're up with Jesus on this mount of transfiguration. And Jesus is there and he is in his glory. And like, they don't even know what to do. Like, uh, what do we do? What do we do? Should we build a, a tent? And like, we, we can't do this. We don't know what to handle, how to handle this. But the coolest one, I think, is this, is this example with Moses in Exodus 33. Moses says in Exodus 33, verse 18, they're going to be on the screens. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he, being God, said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. Man, I want you to think about this. Just picture this for a second. You got Moses. He's in this communion with God. He's like, God, I just want to see you. I just, I just want to take you in. And he says, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my God hand. Like We're like getting this visual God now. He's like, I'm going to take my God hand. I'm going to put you in this cave. And then, you ever watch like, a scary movie? And some of you, like, you're like, closing your eyes and like, you know, just peek through it like that. Like, God's going to take his God hand. And he's going to put it over Moses and protect him. And then, as he passes by, he's just going to be like, all right, now you get to see my back. That was so much that Moses' face was shining that the people were like, what the heck is going on? Like, they didn't even want to look at Moses because they that's what he saw was that much of his glory. And that was too much for them to even get, like, the residual effect of. And we get to see his face full on, no filters, everything. We get to take it in because the curse of sin is lifted. Sin cannot be in his presence. Well, how? How does this happen? Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Guys, sit in that. Pure of heart. You don't get that because you're a good person. You don't get that because you helped your neighbor carry in something yesterday. You get that because Jesus died and rose again and has imparted his righteousness to you. He's given it to you. It's imputed to you. It's there. That matters. The curse of sin is gone. We get to see God's face and not die and perfectly worship him. That's it. And then it says that our, his name is written on our foreheads. It's like, what does that mean? Like, literally, we're walking around like... God or Jesus or Yahweh written on our forehead? I don't know. I don't care, honestly. If God says, come here, I got a Sharpie, <laughs> whatever, I don't care. But what it shows is I'm his. I'm his. That's what it signifies. That's all that matters. It is another symbolism to show us that we belong to him. 
Like we're going to see his face. We're going to belong. And here's the truth about it. Every person sitting in this room, every person watching online, one of the deepest desires that you have in your life is to feel like you belong and that you matter and that you're accepted. And we try through secular means to accomplish that. We will try to follow everyone we can on Instagram, get as much friends as we can on Facebook. We will be fake to people who we can't stand just so we can feel like we fit into that circle and that clique or that group or whatever you want to call it. We will do, we will lie, we will do anything just so we can feel like we matter to somebody. And he's saying, I've got you. You matter to me so much that while you hated me, while you're still in your sin, while you were warring against me, I sent my son to die in your place so that you can belong and have complete acceptance as my son and daughter. And I'm going to write my name on your forehead and everyone's going to know that you're mine and you can see my face. That's what we desire. But he's not done. There's more. He says, Mark wants to know what it is. Mark's like, what is it? And the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So when I was writing this, 8 o'clock last night, this is, so before this point, this is, that's as far as I got during the week. Thursday, that's where I was at. Last night, this is where I was. So I start writing this, I'm like... Dang, he's going to light it all up. We don't even need a lamp. We don't need the sun. And then we're going to reign with him forever. You know what popped in my mind? Those of you in the first service, don't run it. None of you are going to guess. Lion King. Lion King popped in my mind. All right? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, what was that? What was Simba's dad's name? I butchered it even in the first service because I said a Mustafa. I think it's what? It's Mufasa. Mufasa. So, yeah. So, like, this is what I pictured. I'm like, you got Mufasa and Simba, and they're, they go to Pride Rock. And what's he say? Come on. He doesn't say it's yours. He says it's our kingdom, actually. That's one of those things in the movies where people like think that this is what they said, but really they said this. If you're a movie geek, you, you know about those. You probably got like a whole list you could go through with me later. We'll talk about it later. But like, so you got, he's like, hey, everything the light touches is our kingdom. This is it. Like, this is it. And, and someone's like, well, what about over there? No, you don't go over there. Like, that's not ours. Jesus looks at us as his sons and daughters says, hey, Everything I touch with my light that shines over every square inch of creation, what do we get to do? Reign forever and ever with him over it. Forever. This is it. Like, he touches everything. There's nothing left undone by him. He doesn't create some of it new and then leave this piece over here because he's like, eh, that doesn't matter. I, I don't have enough light to get to that. Like, his light will shine and cover every square inch of all of creation from this new Jerusalem that has come down, that is with these gold streets and this river and all this. His light is going to shine everywhere, and we get to reign with him. And I couldn't even handle that last night. I was, I was taken back by it. Seriously, like I was just sitting there. I was like, I don't, I don't deserve this. And I, I want to be like really clear. Like, I, it's not like you might think, oh, yeah, okay, pastor's right there like, to get our attention. Like, no, for real. Like, I sat there and thought like, sometimes of how big of a selfish jerk I am. I thought, why would you take me into that? Why would you bring me along, God? I don't... I don't deserve these glories of eternity. I don't deserve this living water. I don't a tree of life. I don't get to, why you're gonna let me see your face. I don't even deserve his common grace now. 
and yet he has bestowed it upon me because of his son. Because of his son. He wants me to sit in the reality that, yes, as filthy of a sinner as you are, as depraved as you are, my grace and love is deeper, it is bigger, and it can take in everything you've done and wash you clean. And then, and only then, can you come and be in my presence and see my face and worship me and reign with me forever and ever. That's what awaits us. It is beyond our comprehension. We cannot take all that in and really understand it because when you get really honest with yourself and you know how you are and who you are and those parts of you that you don't even like, you're thinking, all that's going to be gone and I get to be here. So we live in that already but not yet tension because we get to experience some of that. So what do we do until we experience it fully? Well, we cling to the word. Verse six, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, and the Lord, of the, the God of the spirits of the prophets have sent his angels, show his servants what's, what must take place soon. So, these words are trustworthy and true. Tell me where else you can find trustworthy and true today. Well, you can go on the news, you can go to MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, TikTok, I don't know. Wherever you want to get your news at, like, you, where are you going to find your news? And you're going to get four different versions, and the TikTok one's going to be so crazy, and you're like, why'd you even go there? Like, that was not a good idea. Like, you don't need to get your news from social media. Just focus on the reality that the only true word is his. Like, so as we cling to the word, like, in this life, like, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of people telling you how you should live and what you should believe about this and, and how you should feel about certain things. And he's saying, I've already told you in my book. I've got it. There's a whole book about what you're supposed to see, and it's all trustworthy and true. It's not opinions. It's not assumptions. It is fact. It is 100% fact. And some of us, we think, well, I don't know. Like, is it really all true? Yes. Every last word of this book, from the beginning to the end, is his truth. There is no flaws. There are no mistakes. There is no typos. Like, he's got this. If you bought a Bible and there's something misspelled, take that up with Walmart or Amazon. It's not God. I promise you, like someone just messed up in printing it. Like this stuff is true. But then more, it's that it's sent. He sent his angel to show his servants what must take place soon. He wants us to understand like he has sent us his word and it matters. Like, so we cling to it. Like, is he sent, since, since it is sent to us then, we are to bring it to others. Like, as Corey said, like, the part of our church, the vision is that we're about the gospel, we're about community, we're about mission. People are the story of God, the people of God, those people taking that story, God's word, to those who do not yet know it. We do that locally, we do it globally. We don't want to just take it and be like, oh yeah, you sent it to me. No, we take it so we can go and share it with others. Then we've, like I said, we've been reading these words each and every week. We have been taking them in. Why? Because it blesses us. The Bible tells us that, so like we take it serious. Like, okay, it says to read these words aloud. So we're going to stand in reverence to God's word. We're going to read them, and so we cling to it. I promise you, if you spend time in the word, it will impact your life in a positive way. If you don't spend time in the word, it will impact your life in a negative way. There is, I promise, if you just do it, give it a try. And if I'm wrong, you can come tell me later. 
But also the reason we cling to his word is that it shows us a true reality. He wants to show us what must happen. He wants us to see what's going on. And not just in Revelation, but really through all of the Bible, it gives us a clear picture of reality. When we have a gospel, biblical worldview, it changes how we live. I started reading this book, and it was talking about how the problem with society is that when our worldview shifts to anything other than God, there is no true foundation because it's built upon man and opinion, and we all will die one day. God is forever. He will never die. And so there's a foundation there for a worldview. When our worldview is not on that, it will crumble as times shift and things change and people pass away that we built that worldview on. So his word gives us reality. And then it also tells us how to worship him. Because it says, you must, or the angel, John, he goes, I'm the one who heard and saw these things. This is verse eight. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down at the feet of the angel and who showed me them. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. So that's us, those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. He's telling us, like, worship God. We cling to the word because it points us back to worship of him. It's important for us. And then these words are to be shared. It says in verse 10, he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. The time is near. Like, literally, like, it may not seem near to us because, like, we base things like, man, next week seems forever away, and we don't know when he's coming back, but the time is near, and there's people who need to hear these truths because they are dying apart from God, which does not mean the eternity that we've been talking about. It means a different eternity, and I don't want to, like, dive into that, but for as much as we can't comprehend the goodness of what this eternity awaits us, we also cannot comprehend the horrendousness of the other eternity in hell. So there is, it is time. It is time to share it because it is, the time is near. Next, we cling to the way. It says in verse 11, let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. So the reality is, is that sinners are gonna sin. They're going to keep sinning until God says there is no more sin. They're going to choose their own ways. They're going to choose the ways of the world. They're going to do that until God puts an end to it. But for us, it says that we keep doing what is right. The righteous, so if you are born again, if the Spirit of God dwells inside you, the Holy Spirit, then you are to do what is right. You are to still strive to be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. We keep yearning and going towards that. So we stay the course. We stay the course until the end. We try so hard not to sway, and you will. You're going to. You're going to fall short. You're going to mess up. But the plan is, the goal is, is while we wait that final time with God in eternity, like we cling to the way that he's given us. But we say, what about all these people? They're just doing bad things. Verse 12, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is going to take care of everything. He had the first word in creation, and he's going to have the last word over creation. He's got it. He's got it. 
You don't have to worry about trying to right all these wrongs. You're like, well, I told them, and they didn't listen. I, I get it. Trust me. Like, we get it. As pastors, like we talked about this week, like, man, this kind of gives us like a little bit of this, like a way to take a deep breath. Like we tell people to do stuff all the time. And then what do they do? They don't do it. And then they come back like a month or two later and like, my life's falling apart. And I'm like, well, I wonder why. We told you. We told you, don't do that. And you did it. And now here we are. But for those of us out of the church, those people who are outside the church, they're going to keep doing what is wrong. And Jesus is saying, I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha and Omega. I've got this. I'm going to repay each of them. So we just cling to his way. That's what we do. We share the gospel. We cling to his way. And we just keep repenting where we fall short. Because verse 14 tells us, blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Those gates that Corey gave us a picture of last week in chapter 21, those gates, we get to enter in because we are cleansed. So we go to God. You don't just repent of your sins one time and be like, okay, I'm done. Like, no, like, man, we sin. So we go to God like, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. Like, you're forgiven, but, like, he wants you to come to him. Talk to him. Repent of those sins. Like, turn away from them. And then as we do that, we look to eternity for the right perspective. If you are only thinking about today, if you're only thinking about tomorrow, your perspective on life will be bleak. You'll miss out. You may be really discouraged because this life is hard. But when you look with a kingdom mindset, an eternal perspective, it's so much better. And the way that we do that is the last thing is we cling to Jesus. Verse 16. We can't miss this. This is, I think this is an easily missed verse in this whole part here. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root of David, or I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. He's everything he promised in that very first page of the Bible to be. He's a, he is. He was, and he's always going to be. Why this matters is because he says that he is the descendant of David. Like, they laid out, there's going to be a lineage. That this is where the Messiah is going to come from. Like, it's not just some guy who popped up and said, I could be Jesus. Like, no, it was from the descendant of David. Like, there's a whole lineage that got there. I mean, if you walked with us in 2020 and 2021, we did Lust Return, like, you can see that, like, play out with, with Rahab and, and Boaz and, and all these different people who had to come into play just in the way that God would have it ordained so that Jesus would be born from that descendant. That, that line, that lineage, that's, that's who he is. He's a promise-keeping God. Then verse 17, he tells us, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Mark said it excellent during the liturgy that we don't have to come here and try to have enough money to pay for it. You can't earn this water. You just come and get a drink. You just come, and it's there. We can rest in him. That's what we do is we cling to Jesus. You rest in him now. We're always so busy trying to fix everything and make things right and think that if I do this next, if I change this in my life, I'm going to be at peace. Everything's going to be just where I need it. And most of the time, like those never involve Jesus 
It involves less of Jesus. It involves less of his community. It's like, well, I'm, I'm, this is, man, that's taking too much of my time going to missional community. I'm just, if I just stop going to that for a week and just get my life under control, then I'll go back. No, you won't. I'm getting to a rhythm of not going. Well, if I just stop serving for a while in church, I need to sit and listen. You probably won't even come. We cling to him so we can rest in him. We can't buy it, so we just stop trying. Just stop trying. Just be in him. And then verses 18 and 19, he says, I warn everyone who has or who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Here's the deal. He's enough. Stop trying to add to it. Like so often, like we're like, God and gospel, Jesus and this. No, he's saying don't add to it. Like he's saying here, don't, don't add more words too, but like don't add to Jesus. He doesn't need you to do anything else. He's got it. He did all the work necessary for your salvation. All you have to do is just, Romans 10, 13, call upon his name. That's it. That's the closest thing I can find to like in John 3, 16. It's like believe and call. Those, if you want a verb that you can say you did, and the only reason you even did that is because he granted you the grace and the faith to do it. That's it. You just rest in him. He's enough. And then it says not to take away. So often as Christians, we try to apologize for God. We're like, I, I know that's the God of the Old Testament. No, it is. that is God. Like, we don't need to take away. We don't need to apologize for God. We don't need to try to, like, make him a better, like, 2022 version that is, like, softer and kinder. He is God. He is the Alpha and Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end. He is everything. And he's coming again. Verse 20 tells us that three times in this text. Three times. It's repetitive. He keeps doing that. There's a whole lot of symbolism here through the whole book. And he's saying three times, I'm coming again. I'm coming again. I'm coming again. And so we cling to him until he does. His grace is with us until the end. And so I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me. The team's going to come back up and lead us in worship. i got some questions for you as we go into communion. And I want you to really be honest with yourself. These would be questions in your missional community as well that you can process in a community of believers. But I want to ask you, do you desire Jesus now? And then, because if you do, then you're saying that you trust him to provide everything that you desire, that you trust him to make you feel known, that you belong, that your relationships are right, that everything, like, do you truly desire him? Or do you just want some of the effects of being associated with him? Do you desire him? And then, do you want him to satisfy your every want your every need or do you want to keep trying to achieve it through secular means do you want to keep chasing something else because he will meet it now and then in eternity so i just want you to like process those as we get ready to take communion if you're a believer here then the real thing is like maybe you've been chasing things that only he can provide through secular means and so this would be a time to repent like we talked about if you're here and you're not a believer and you're like, man, I, I don't know that this is who I am, but I would like to be there, then just trust in Jesus for the first time. Put your faith in him. And then we all just rest in him through communion. So I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians 11 that we read every week, but I, I want to really emphasize 
the end. So this is what it says. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. He's coming back. And we get to proclaim his death. We get to live out the, his resurrection as resurrected believers. Like he's resurrected our own lives. He's living and he lives in us. And now we get to proclaim it through worship and taking communion. So let's just worship him, guys.